0: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Spark Up in my little corner of the podcast world. It is so good to be back with everyone again. So, uh, we are just coming out of Autism Awareness and Acceptance Month. And this episode, which is going to be a mini spark, I wanted to focus, this is going to be kind of data heavy, because I wanted to focus on the stats, the new stats regarding autism that came out at the beginning of April, they came out, I think around April 4th or April 5th from the Centers for Disease Control or the CDC. They do regular updates of their stats. They have different centers located all over the country where they pull the data based on, you know, different families and people who come into these centers and they analyze all that data and then they release their findings. So this data is from 2018 and 2020. And so it kind of covers that space. So that may seem like, oh, well, that's like a couple of years ago. Remember, we also had the pandemic. So there wasn't a lot of, couldn't really collect much data during the pandemic. So these are the latest stats that we have. And so there are two in particular for this purpose of this podcast that I really wanted to go into and kind of tell you about, because these are two that I think are going to impact uh, the community the most, particularly because this season is a lot of, about focusing on the Black community with regards to autism. And so I think the second st- uh, statistic in particular is going to be of importance to us. So, first, according to the CDC last month in this release, their 2020 data indicates that one in 36 eight year old children identified with ASD, Autism Spectrum Disorder, in 2020. That means the ratio, the rate now, is one in 36. Mind you, when they started first doing data collection on this, which is back in 2000, so 23 years ago, the rate was one in 150. We are now one in 36. So what does this mean exactly? Well, first of all, I want to emphasize that this is, I think, a wake-up call to all of us and not an alarm. Uh, There are some people that I think are going to go into a fear-based kind of panic mode over this finding because it is high. That, that's pretty high. One in 36 is you are going to encounter someone with autism for sure. Um, I caution everyone, though, not to take this as an alarm to stoke fear in parents and teachers and caregivers and providers. This is not meant as an alarm. What it should be seen as instead is a wake up call. If you've been up to this point, ignoring autism, in denial that it crosses and affects all demographics, or if you've been feeling that it doesn't affect you or won't affect you, this to me should be your wake up call. It is a real condition. The rate among minorities, particularly the black community, and I'm gonna go into that in a second, has, has definitely shot up. And with this ratio, more than likely, you know someone with autism. I can guarantee at 1 in 36, you have encountered someone with autism. You have worked with someone with autism. You have taught someone with autism. You have had some kind of encounter with someone on the autism spectrum. The days of, quite frankly, sticking your head in the sand and thinking you won't encounter it or thinking that it's going to just go away or thinking that, you know, oh, it's, it's not, you know, it's not anything to kind of look at or, oh, it doesn't affect us. I've heard this before. Oh, that's just a white people condition. I have heard that before. No. Those days are over. We need to learn about autism. Our communities need to learn about autism. We need to learn how to work with autistic children, teens, and adults. We have to learn how to accommodate autistic kids teens, and adults. We have to learn to accept autistic kids, teens, and adults. The days of acting like this can just fade are over. That's not the case. I, we uh, There is no excuse for this anymore. Absolutely none. You can't say, well, I don't know anyone with autism, so it doesn't affect me. You can't say that anymore. Absolutely not. One in 36. You can't say it. That's, that's like my first major thing that I wanted to say. <laughs> um, Oh, I also want to add, since this is something that's come up a lot in the last, I'd say like two months, to kind of get started on that whole, you can't, you know, you can't deny that this exists anymore. Uh, for those who don't know, autism is considered to be a disability. And that means a disability covered by law. It is covered by the ADA, which is the Americans of Disabilities Act. And it's covered under IDEA, which is the Individuals of Disabilities Education Act. meaning that you have to make or reasonable accommodations for someone on the autism spectrum. This goes to schools, this goes to daycare centers, this goes to employers. There is no kind of trying to skirt around this. It's, this, is, this is legal. You, it's considered to be a disability. This isn't just something that was just plucked out of the sky. It's considered a disability. The second stat in particular that I want to talk about was the one centered around minority communities. The 2018 and 2020 stats from the CDC are painting a really new picture for minority communities, especially the Black community, which I want to add again, this includes all of the Black community, the diaspora, not just African Americans, because I've seen this pop up too, where a lot of other members of our community feel that oh no it's not it's not autism i can't tell you how many times i've heard the idea that it's uh, demon possession or that it's something like you know oh no they're just you know something else going on no this is an actual condition it's affecting our kids teens and adults and it does not care where you are from it doesn't care if you are from the united states It doesn't matter if you are from Jamaica. It doesn't matter if you are from Ghana. One in 36, you are going to know someone who is on the autism spectrum. I cannot stress this enough. So minority rates for autism have now surpassed whites. We're actually Blacks, Hispanics, Asians. We're actually getting higher percentages now. I think that a lot are gonna immediately take a fear-based approach to that kind of stat and say that, oh, they're labeling our kids. This is another example of them trying to to put us into labels and so forth. Let me offer a different take on this for a second, if if I may. This is actually, to me, in my opinion, I think this is actually helping to correct a certain part of what is known as the pipeline to prison. For those of you who have never heard of that phrase before. Um, It's basically referencing the idea that systematic racism in our country is set up so that if you as a black child kind of quote unquote fumble at any point in time, if you're labeled certain things early on, that's going to follow you and set you up on a literal pipeline to prison. It's going to set you up to end up going into the, the prison system because you're going to get quote unquote kind of labeled. Many of our kids are started on this pipeline early by being given particular diagnoses. The ones that I think of, uh, the top ones I think of are conduct disorder. And I've mentioned this before in earlier episodes, but again, with this ratio kind of going up now, I feel the need to reiterate this. Conduct disorder, oppositional defiant disorder, and later as they become teenagers and adults, antisocial personality disorder. All three of these are associated with, quote unquote, bad behavior. When a lot of times, especially in the past, a lot of our kids who were diagnosed with one of these three may have actually been on the autism spectrum. None of those three paint a positive picture. None of them give access to resources. And most importantly, none of them are guaranteed accommodations by law. They're seen as problem diagnoses. Autism, on the other hand, like I said, is covered by the ADA and idea. Health insurance companies have to provide services. They have to give opportunity to ha- get speech therapy, ABA therapy, occupational therapy. They have to provide these kind of services to a child or a teen who I- who is diagnosed on the spectrum. They're not going to do that with conduct disorder. They're not going to do that with oppositional defiant disorder. They're not going to do that with antisocial personality disorder because these are considered bad behavior disorders. So, Honestly, if you told me you have a child and you have to you have to pick one of these two quote-unquote labels or diagnoses, I'm going to pick the autism one because you know what? I know they're going to have access to resources, funds, and a scaffolding that'll be able to help them and guide them, not on the pipeline to prison, but to be able to become as close to productive members of society as possible and do it in a way where... Everyone can be like scaffolded or at least to the best of our ability with the resources that we have, but you at least have access and an open door to the resources. We have to start, stop thinking on everything medical being bad. We have to start trying to basically protect our kids because our autism numbers are skyrocketing and I don't think it has anything to do with labeling. I think it's just the fact that thankfully we're starting to become more aware Of the diagnosis in in our community, which is great. I love that. I love that more people are at least aware of autism. Now we have to learn how to acquire and go after the resources that our kids are entitled to get. That's something that I have noticed when I worked out in California. I will say this the white families and the Asian families, which were the main ones that I kind of worked with, oh, they would get every resource known. They went after every resource. And if someone did not accommodate their child or their teenager, Oh, someone was gonna hear about it. Someone was most definitely gonna hear about it. That is the point we have to get now. We have to, as as a community, we have to stand up and be the advocates for our kids. That's one of the things that I always push. And every anytime I talk to a parent who has a child who has been doesn't matter if they've been recently diagnosed or have been diagnosed for a couple of years. I always, always emphasize to them the importance of advocacy. You have to One, be able to vocalize and speak for your child. And then two, if you have a child who, who, you know, definitely, you know, has the communication skills, teach them how to advocate for themselves. Because as a parent, you're not always going to be there. Eventually, they're going to have to learn how to advocate for themselves. They have to learn how to advocate for themselves. And that is something that that's the I think the next big step that we as a community have to do. And with the stats that I have seen that came out this month now more than ever, it is crucial, especially here in the state of Florida. Oh my gosh, in the state of Florida, we really, really have to advocate. We have to. We can't just roll over and accept whatever is given. We need to look up what our kids' rights are. We have to look up what they are entitled to in the school system, in the medical system, in any system that we're moving through when it comes to employment. And we have to advocate. We have to. Because Otherwise, they're going to get left behind. They're going to fall through the cracks. And I've seen that happen. And I know that they're, especially, um, again, in this state, sometimes it can be hard to find resources. They are out there, but a lot of times we don't even know that they're there. Every time I turn around, I'm finding a new resource that I didn't know existed. And I'm like, if I didn't know about it, I know there are parents that don't know about it. I know there are other providers that don't know about it. So something that I really want to try to focus on, especially locally, This year is trying to unite a lot of us in the black community who have an interest in this um, and find and find a way to kind of advocate more for our kids, because if we don't do it, who will? And if there isn't, you know, a resource available, then maybe we have to create it. Simple as that. Because, again, if we don't do it, who will? So this kind of turned into a call to action. (laughs) kind of um kind of episode but um seeing these statistics and really um thinking about it made me realize you know what the time of us just kind of being passive about this as a community is long gone we can't afford to be passive anymore it is now known that like okay we this is something that is in our community it is strong in our community and so we have to show up for these kids who are going to turn into teenagers we're going to turn into adults. We have to show up for them. And that means we have to advocate. That means we have to fight to get services, the, the services that they need, the hours that they need, uh, make sure that they're not forgotten in the, you know, in the different systems that they're, that they're going to be navigating through. We have to do this because again, if we, I keep saying, it, if we don't, who will? So yeah, I didn't mean to end up sounding so preachy, but this is something that's really important to me. Like I said, this is a shorter episode, but I really wanted to just hammer that in. And a lot of the uh, interviews that we've recently done with CARD, with Best Buddies, with Early Steps, those are three resources that you can use. That wasn't just me interviewing people just to interview people. I want us as a community to reach out and use these resources. These are three examples of great resources right here locally in our area And CARD is actually all over the country. And Best Buddies is actually also all over the country. So if you're not in Florida, you can still get connected to those two. And Early Steps, there is some version of Early Steps, and I believe every state. It may not be called Early Steps. It may be called something else like First Steps. It may may have a different name. But that program, that zero to three program, is present in every state. You just have to find the actual name of it for your state. But that's the reason why I, I do this. That's the reason why the entire podcast even got started was because I saw this gap and I wanted to try and help close the gap and bridge the gap. And the statistics that we're seeing now are just further emphasizing why I'm doing this while a lot of the people who I've interviewed in the last like month or so are doing this. It just emphasizes, this is why we do this. And this is why we are all kind of doing a call to action In our communities, the black community, the Hispanic community, the Asian community in particular, because this is it's autism is in our communities. We can't deny that. And so let's instead of looking at it from a fear based perspective, we need to look at it as this is us coming forward and showing up for our kids for the future generation so that they have the scaffolding that they need in order to be the best that they can be. So I am going to get off of my soapbox now. Um, and, uh, I'm going to go out about my day. I, again, if you are interested in being on the podcast, if you want to come and tell your story, if you are an autistic individual, if you are a parent of a child on the spectrum, if you are a provider who offers services, especially in our area that wants to reach out and let people know that you're there, please, you know, hit me up and let me know. You can email me at angel, A-N-G-E-L-W, at sparkguidance.com. That's S-P-A-R-C-G-U-I-D-A-N-C-E.com. You can also find my email on my website, which is www.sparkguidance.com. And if you want to check out any of the previous episodes of the podcast, you can go to sparkup, so S-P-A-R-C-U-P, autism, A-U-T-I-S-M.com. So that's the website for the for the podcast. You can also access the podcast through my website. And let me know. I'd love to have people come on, especially locals. I'm open to even talking to people from outside of the local area. I just want this to be a place for people to kind of learn and kind of get rid of a lot of those stigmas associated with autism so that we can make sure that no matter what the ratios and the statistics say, we know that we as a community Are doing all we can to help those in our community who are on the spectrum and that we are advocating and following the four a's as i call them that are associated with my business we are following awareness acceptance affirmation and advocacy thank you so much thanks for listening as always and remember be blessed don't be stressed bye